This is The Defrag, I'm Christopher Lawson. Sending a rover to another planet is vital if we ever want to send humans. But it's also a bit of a risk. While we can send rovers to the moon or Mars, maybe to an asteroid, it's a massive undertaking. It takes years of work to develop these rovers, let alone to actually send them the distance it takes to get to a planet like Mars. These projects often cost hundreds of millions, if not billions of dollars. And so we need to be absolutely positive that the tech we send will work on arrival. And that's why being able to simulate the Martian environment here on Earth is important. Here's producer James Parkinson. This week, the University of Adelaide launched its X-Terrace Laboratory. The facility is the first of its kind in Australia. It houses some pretty special technology for testing equipment like rovers and how they'll operate in the harsh environments of planets like Mars and on the surface of the Moon. So first and foremost, this is a relatively new kind of space lab because this is a lab where we can simulate the surface of the Moon and Mars. And the reason we're doing that is because that way we can introduce dirt into the lab. Most space labs are in clean rooms. This lab is actually in a civil engineering uh, facility. This is John Colton. Hi, James. I'm the director of the Andy Thomas Center for Space Resources at the University of Adelaide. So this is a dirty space lab where we are actually going to now be able to research off-Earth civil engineering. You mentioned this uh, facility is, uh, is quite unique in the world. Uh, how does this technology compare with other universities and, and space agencies? So the challenge of putting uh, dirt inside a vacuum chamber is a pretty significant one. And because of that, that particular piece of kit is not um, replicated uh, globally on a large scale. So there's very few places in the world where you can actually get access to a regolith thermal vacuum chamber, which gives you the closest approximation to an accurate lunar and Martian surface environment. So the two chambers here at the University of Adelaide are likely the, the first uh, in Australia. Um, certainly others will, others will follow because this is a growing sector. And as we see here at the Australian Rover Challenge, you know, we have five teams here with rovers. They're all doing amazingly well. Um, as they progress their way through tasks that have been um, designed uh, by uh, commercial space companies and uh, national space agencies to reflect the realities of the tasks that are going to be required of them on the moon and Mars. And as, you know, but the number of teams that are participating every year is nearly doubling. So this technology is proliferating across Australia. And especially when we look at the space agency, and their Trailblazer uh, initiative to put a Australian rover on the moon as part of NASA's Artemis program and the tasks that they want that rover to accomplish. Well, those kinds of those kinds of things can be tested in this in this lab here. And currently, that's the only facility in Australia where you could do that. And what are some of the technologies that uh, you've installed in the lab? 
So the focus is civil engineering and geotechnical engineering, but of course the tools that we'll be using will be primarily robots and rovers. So this is a multidisciplinary lab where every, everyone from computer scientists to machine vision experts to artificial intelligence to chemical engineering, electrical engineering, mechanical engineering, geotech, civil, mining, uh, all of those disciplines come together. And each part of the team is just as important as the next. So as we're seeing here at the Australian Rover Challenge, a number of the tasks in the challenge uh, require uh, the rovers to do things that are part of the Australian Space Agency's Trailblazer program, which is a, a mission that's part of the Artemis program. So it's working with the lunar surface to look for resources such as ice to provide water for the astronauts to drink or to turn into rocket propellant. And what we see here is that to do these tasks, these civil engineering or excavation tasks, the robot and the rover are an incredible and it's a, and a challenging tool and we need to learn how to use those um, vehicles in the harsh lunar environment you know interacting with the incredibly hostile lunar regolith and how do you replicate conditions on a planet like mars or, or the, the surface of the moon so we have essentially three levels of realism simulated in the lab so we have an open sand pit that just uses regular sand but this is where we would test swarm robotics um, that are practicing working together to complete those construction tasks next to the sand pit we have a regolith pit so in that regolith pit which is nine square meters and it's heavily instrumented but in that pit we have about 10 tons of highlands regolith simulant so that's a earth simulant um, that is in a North Acidic material, just like the Highlands material on the moon. The Lunar Highlands, that's where the, the Lunar South Pole is located, and that's where NASA is likely targeting um, the placement and the first landing at the first landing for humans in this in this century on the moon will be in the Lunar Highlands. So we're simulating the Lunar Highlands with this regolith simulant in this one enclosed regolith pit. And then for the highest level of fidelity, we have regolith thermal vacuum chambers. So we have a smaller chamber and then we have a, a much, much larger chamber that could hold a full, that they, we could put a 20 kilogram size rover in. So those chambers simulate the vacuum conditions um, and the temperature. And also we introduce the regolith or the dirt. So that's a globally rare thing. There are many vacuum chambers in the world, but they're all clean. Um, there are not very many vacuum chambers that contain lunar or Martian dirt, you know, regolith simulant. So we will have two of those here, one of which is big enough to hold a full 20 kilogram size rover. So you mentioned Mars. Uh, so the, the moon obviously is a hard vacuum, so we can do that with the lunar uh, regolith. But for Mars, we actually have uh, the gases to simulate the Martian atmosphere along with the Martian uh, regolith simulant. Coming up, the biggest challenges in space that the Xteris Laboratory are hoping to solve. That's next, after this short break.
Thanks for listening to The Defrag. Our goal with the show is to build a self-sustaining news brand that dives into and explores the intersection of technology, business, politics, and science. For The Defrag to be a true success, we really need your support. We don't want to be reliant on just having to find advertisers, but we do want the core of our content to remain free. Which is why at our website, thedefrag.com, you can support the show by becoming a member of our free newsletter, or you can become a paid supporter. There are membership plans ranging from just $9 a month up to $50 a month, depending on how you want to support the show. And for your support, you'll get a range of different perks, including an ad-free version of the podcast, access to exclusive VIP events and live streams, and we'll send everyone that signs up a sticker pack. You can find out more at our website, thedefrag.com. You already know about the many different rovers that NASA has put on Mars over the years, but the kind of research the Xteris Laboratory will be used for is very different. How could this lab help uh, inform the design and development of technology like rovers? Yeah, we, we have a long history of operating rovers. You know, people will uh, automatically think about um, curiosity or spirit and opportunity, the rovers that have famously you know, survived for long periods of time on the surface of Mars. But those were exploration rovers. You know, typically in a day, those rovers might move four meters. It would be the, the, the most that you could expect those rovers to move in a day. When we get to, in this new phase of exploration, our rovers are going to have to become much more industrial. We need them to actually do work on behalf of the base. So that means the rovers have to be incredibly rugged and incredibly resilient. Um, and when you understand that the lunar surface environment is much, much harsher and much more hostile to a rover than um, the worst coal mine on Earth, um, you understand what you know how much the challenge is to design a piece of industrial equipment that can operate in that incredibly hostile environment and it doesn't break down and it doesn't get stuck and it doesn't need rescue. So this is the kind of lab here at the University of Adelaide in the Xterra's lab where we can uh, aim to achieve and learn how to build those kinds of rovers right here. When people think about, you know, space exploration and going to Mars, we often think of the rockets and, and all these kind of things. And that's kind of the first step of, of getting there. And then we think about how we're going to live and survive on Mars. And I guess this industrial side of things of how do we actually build things? How do we actually get work done on these uh, harsh environment uh, services is something that people don't necessarily think about. Where does this kind of technology and I guess this this whole step of in space exploration, where does that kind of rank, I guess, in its importance for these kind of missions? Well, so, yeah, that's a fantastic question. And you know, this is this is what uh, this is a way we like to think of it. So in the Apollo mission, during the Apollo missions, you had one spacecraft would set down on the lunar surface. They would conduct the mission and then they would leave. In the Artemis program, we're in the, the construction of a, a base that, that NASA and international astronauts will, will live and work at long term, you're going to have to aggregate all of this infrastructure uh, all around that. Well, that means that a second vehicle needs to come down and land near the first one. As soon as you do that, you, before that happens, you need civil engineering to occur. 
So that's how critical these kinds of skills are. As soon as you start trying to put um, multiple pieces of equipment anywhere near each other on the lunar surface, the civil engineering is going to have to come into play because um, what we need to mitigate is the effects of that regolith as it's blowing around. You know, when another when a lander is coming in, it has rocket uh, exhaust, and that exhaust hits the surface of the moon, and then it moves the regolith out at the same speed as the rocket exhaust. So we're talking two kilometers a second, and this is incredibly rough uh, and fine material, moving it two and a half kilometers a second, and when it impacts another spacecraft or a habitat or the visor of an astronaut's suit or a communications array or a solar panel, it degrades it. It's like aiming a sandblaster at that piece of equipment. So the only way to mitigate those effects is through civil engineering. Now that you've got access to this equipment and this technology, what are some of the big questions and big challenges you're hoping to, to solve? Well, I'd say that the, the two chief goals, maybe we could say there's three, would be, number one, um, learn how to ruggedize the robotics and equipment so that they uh, withstand the harsh lunar environment, specifically the dust. The, the Apollo astronauts, um, without fail, reported that the chief challenge of going back to the moon would be the dust. So we need to make sure the equipment is robust enough to survive in that environment. Um, and I would say the other two that we're focused on here would be understanding the geotechnical environment, because the lunar regolith is very different from dirt on the Earth, um, especially given that, it's in a, it, that it exists in a hard vacuum. So understanding how do you dig in that? How do you bulldoze? Um, how can you bury equipment? How can you build walls uh, out of the lunar regolith? or perhaps use the lunar regolith as radiation shielding for the, the habitation facilities. And then uh, the third and related item is how do we accomplish all of these civil engineering tasks? And, and how can we use the local material? And how can we use that regolith to, use, to make structures, to build building components that we could then use to either fortify or construct new kinds of habitats? So those would be the three top uh, level goals. All of them are pretty equal, but ruggedize the equipment, uh, learn how to understand the geotechnical um, characteristics of the lunar soil, and then how do we use the lunar soil to make building components. So NASA's Artemis program is to uh, aim is to return astronauts to the moon by 2024. In terms of the work uh, that's going on inside the lab now, uh, what does the timeline look like for the next few years to kind of hone some of this technology and progress this uh, this research? So we are um, we're we're running very quickly and developments are happening. Um, very fast. There's a, a growing space sector in Australia, and I mean, a, just a huge number of companies that are aiming to get not only into space, but into deep space. So deep space includes the moon. So they have desires to be part of this new revolution in space exploration, this next phase in space exploration, and get into either orbit around the moon or onto the lunar surface and be part of be part of that. Um, 
So we have a, a, quite a number of both domestic and international um, space companies that are looking to use our facilities or who already are partnered with us and uh, have plans to use these facilities um, starting this year. Um, we know of companies that are planning on opening offices here in Australia uh, or and specifically in Adelaide to make use of these facilities uh, as they continue to build machinery that can provide these, these kinds of this kind of infrastructure to the government and ultimately uh, commercial entities that will be paying for things like the construction of landing pads and roads. So it's going to be very, very busy. It's accelerating much, much faster than probably most people realize. The next 50 years will be very, very different than the last 50 years in space. Also making news today, the European Union is targeting large tech platforms as part of new legislation designed to limit their market power. The Digital Markets Act, or DMA, specifically calls out social networks or search engines that provide core platform services. Companies that will be targeted have to have turnover of 7.5 billion euro or be valued at more than 75 billion. One of the most interesting components of the legislation is the requirement for messaging platforms like WhatsApp, Facebook Messenger, or even iMessage to work with smaller messaging platforms. The EU wants messages to be easily shared between different apps, allowing consumers to have more choice. There will also be rules around the use of personal data for targeted advertising. The wording of the legislation still needs to be finalised and approved by the EU Parliament. Police in the United Kingdom have arrested seven people in relation to the Lapsus hacks, targeting large tech companies. One of them, a 16-year-old, who goes by the online name White, is accused of being the ringleader of the group and has amassed 14 million US dollars from the hacks. The oldest of the seven is aged just 21. All of the seven have been released and remain under investigation. And Apple has told an appeals court that Epic Games has not shown enough evidence to warrant an appeal. Epic mostly lost an earlier court case over Apple's payment system and appealed the ruling. Epic does have a bit of weight behind them though, with 34 US attorneys general agreeing with Epic's position. More arguments from both Apple and Epic Games are still to be made in the case. The Defrag is a production of Lawson Media. The show today was hosted by me, Christopher Lawson, and produced by James Parkinson. If you'd love to join the Defrag community, then I encourage you to join our Discord. The link is in the episode show notes. That's all the news I've got for this week. I'll be back with more on Monday.